Good evening and welcome to our Bible study and this evening we're going to be looking at Job chapter 29 so let's read that chapter together starting to read at verse 1. How I long for the months gone by, for the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head and by his light I walked through darkness. Oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house, when the Almighty was still with me and my children were around me, when my path was drenched with cream and the rock poured out for me streams of olive oil. When I went to the gate of the city and took my seat in the public square, the young men saw me and stepped aside, and the old men rose to their feet. The chief men refrained from speaking and covered their mouths with their hands. The voices of the nobles were hushed, and the tongues and their tongues stuck to the roof of their mouths. Whoever heard me spoke well of me, and those who saw me commended me. Because I rescued the poor who cried for help, the fatherless who had none to assist, the man who was dying blessed me. I made the widow's heart sing. I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger. I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth. I thought that I would die in my own house. My days as numerous as the grains of sand. My roots will reach the waters and the dew will lie all night on my branches. My glory will remain fresh in me. The bow ever new in my hand. My words fell gently on their ears. They waited for me as for showers and drank in the words as the spring rain. When I smiled on them, they scarcely believed it. The light of my face was precious to them. I chose the way for them and sat as their chief. I dwelt as a king among his troops. I was like one who comforts the mourners. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this passage and for these words that we've read in your presence. And we ask that as we consider them together, that you will lead us through them, that we might understand what you are saying to us this evening, and that we might be able to apply these things as we go forward in our day, and we go forward in your presence. Our Father, we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well... Job chapter 29. Job will continue as he leads into his final defence. And in chapters 30 through 31, Job will lament over his present condition. When we come to chapter 32 through to 37, we're introduced to another character, Elihu, who has been there all the time, but so far has said nothing. And then in chapters 48 through to 41, we will hear God speak and then in the final chapter, chapter 42, we will hear how Job answers. So as we go through the book of Job, we're able to view each passage in context as we follow the progress of the episode of the life of a man, a man of integrity, a man who suffered, and a man who suffered for what he thought was no apparent reason. But we know from the beginning things that Job does not know. One, we know that there is a divine purpose to his suffering. 
Two, we know that God has not deserted him. And three, we know that Job's hope is not in vain. You know, so far we've listened to fruitless discussions as his friends search for answers as to why Job is suffering while they have been ignoring the question. How can we help comfort Job through his suffering? This doesn't seem to have entered their heads. It certainly hasn't entered their discussions. And by the end of chapter 25, Job's three friends seem to have reached a point where they are at a loss for words. In chapters 26 and 27, Job will begin his final reply to them. And by the time you get to chapter 28, Job interrupts his speech. He interrupts it with what seems to be a, we might call it a time out. A time taken to consider what is actually a pivotal point in the proceedings as he contemplates the value of God's wisdom. You know, at the end of that little passage, Job's conclusion, this is in 28, chapter 28, verse 17. We read this, or it's 28, verse 17 through to verse 28, and we read this. Then he, that is God, looked at wisdom and appraised it he confirmed it and tested it and he said to the human race the fear of the lord that is wisdom and to shun evil is understanding and you might remember that last week we said this is what job has been doing job is a man who fears god and shuns evil and he's doing this as he goes through a time of pain and a time of confusion. And even to his friends, as they look on, this looks like foolishness. And they are asking the question, why does God let Job suffer? You know, I was thinking about 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. And we read this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You know, we can see in Job's life, through his time of pain, suffering and confusion, we can see the power of God as Job's faith remains reasonably strong and will grow even stronger as he goes through these times. But the question still remained, why did God let him suffer. But this leads to another question that people might ask. Why did God let Jesus suffer? You know, as we look at the book of Job, the writer of uh, Ecclesiastes echoes the words of Job, those words from the end of chapter 28 of Job. And these are recorded for us in Ecclesiastes. When the writer to Ecclesiastes in verse 13 of chapter 12 said this, now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. You might think that as we come to this part in the book of Job, that it might be a good place to end. But it's not, because Job has a lot more to say. And at this point, it's as if he is entering into the courtroom 
and he's going there to present what will be his final defence. And his speech will continue, and it will continue through to the end of chapter 31. Here's a thought for us as we look at chapter 29. I wonder what it is that you missed, you miss most uh, as you look back over your life. Now, very often we do that, don't we? We look back over days gone by and we sometimes hanker after certain parts of that previous life that we have lived, maybe in our youth, maybe in our teens, twenties, whatever. But what is it that Job is longing for? Is it his wealth? Because he was a wealthy man, is his, his position? He had a position of authority, or is it his family? Now, obviously, he is mourning the loss of all these things. But what is it that Job really longs for? Well, if we want to find out, we're going to find out when we look at these next verses. As we take a look at what Job says at the beginning of chapter 29, the first six verses. And we could title this, First and Foremost. So let's just remember them together. Job continued his discourse. How I long for the months gone by. But then he goes on, for the days when God watched over me. Then he says, when his lamp shone on my head, and by his light I walked through darkness. Then he said, oh, for the days when I was in my prime. Listen to this. When God's intimate friendship blessed my house. When the Almighty was still with me and my children were around me, when my path was drenched with cream and the rock poured out for me streams of olive oil. Remember these are poetic words. And in that last sentence there, Job is talking about the good things that God had provided for him. Job, he longs for the days way back when. Okay, let's think about those days way back when. In Job's eyes, they were days when God watched over him. They were days when God guided him. They were days when he had friendship with God as he walked with God. When God's presence was the center of his life. When God was his provider. Those opening words, how I long for. Look, he's, he's looking to the future here. He's longing for something, something that is still to come. It's a cry of hope, a hope towards the future as he looks back on the past. And we see that his hope is in the Lord. Job's overriding desire is for a restored relationship with God. Job is longing for the blessings that he has previously enjoyed. And he knows that the real enjoyment came from the relationship that he had with God. And this is what he longs for. This is what he is looking forward to. This is what he said back in uh, chapter 20, 23, the beginning of that chapter. Job said, even today my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy in spite of my groaning. If only, there's those words again, if only I knew where to find him. If only I could go to his dwelling. You see, he longs for fellowship with God. 
Notice what Job is not saying. He's not saying, I long for the days when you give me back my wealth, give me back my health, give me back my family. As good as these things were, Job is looking beyond this. He is saying, bless me with your presence. You know, this brings us to the words of what is known as the priestly prayer. It's in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 through to 26. And I know you'll be familiar with these words because we have them quoted to us many times. And many times we think of them as being that we, the, the material blessings that God gives to us, that we will have an easy life and that we will have wealth and position. And these are the words, Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you. And be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. You know, in the six verses that we've looked at in Job, here Job is telling us that he is longing for the Lord to be with him. And the Lord is with him. But Job doesn't know it. Remember what the Lord has said about Job. Let's look at that in context of these next few verses. So let's look at verse 7 through to 11. Let's put over these verses. There is no one on earth like him. That's what God said about Job. There is no one on earth like him. Verse 7 through to 11. When I went to the gate of the city and took my seat in the public square, the young men saw me and stepped aside, and the old men rose to their feet. The chief men refrained from speaking and covered their mouths with their hands. The voices of the nobles were hushed, and the tongues stuck to the roof of their mouths. Whoever heard me spoke well of me, and those who saw me commended me. You see, Job is taking us through the the main square. He's taking us through the crowds. He's taking us to the city gates where Job had a seat of authority, a place where people could buy and sell, where they could do business and resolve legal issues, a busy place where people from different social standings would meet and the reaction when Job would arrive would be one of respect as the people would step aside to give him access to what was his seat of government. And in silence, he would wait, or they would wait, for him to speak. These are the blessings that God gave to Job. Blessings that gave him dignity and integrity. And what we see here is Job, a just man. But let's look at the following verses, 12 through to 17, remembering what God said about him. He is blameless and upright. Verse 12 through to 17. Job here is not being proud. He's just telling the truth. He's saying how things really were. He says, because I rescued the poor who cried for help and the fatherless, who had none to assist them, the one who was dying, blessed me. I made the widow's heart sing. I put on righteousness as my clothing. You know, 
he would have put his legal garments on. He says that about he'd put his, his headwear and his robe. But his real robe was robe of righteousness. I put on righteousness on my as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger. I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth. This is blessings that God gave to Job, enabling Job to bless others. The poor, the fatherless, the widows, the blind, the lame, the needy, the stranger, the victims who suffered at the hands of the wicked, they were all blessed by this man who was blessed by God and who served God. There was no abusing his power. There was no preferential treatment for the privilege. No pride in his position. This is justice in action. So we see Job, a righteous man. You know, as we look at Job, we see here a picture of another righteous man. The righteous one who is Jesus. I want us just to turn to the New Testament for a few moments as we consider this. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 12, verse 15 through to 21. As we consider these words, uh, as we consider Jesus in the light of what we're seeing in, in Job. This is what we read. Aware of this, Jesus would, aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. This is the one whose hope Job is in. He doesn't realise that, but it is. And when we come to verse 18 through to 20, we, Job is reminding us that life is not always a bed of roses, not even for the Christian. Life doesn't always deliver what we might expect it to deliver. And this is what he says in verse 18 through to 20. I thought, so these are his thoughts. I thought, I shall die in my own house. My days as numerous as the grains of sand. My roots will reach to the water, and the dew will lie all night on my branches. My glory will not fade. The bow will be ever new in my hand. You know, this would have been the case if the righteous were never called to suffer. This is what Job's friends couldn't understand. They couldn't understand that sometimes it is God's will that he allows the righteous to suffer. And the ultimate righteous one who did suffer is Jesus. But let's go back to chapter 29 as we draw to a close and look at verse 21 through to 25. And we see here a man who fears God and shuns evil. Again, 
This is how God sees Job, but Job doesn't realise it. So here with Job we go back to the city gate for a few moments. Verse 21. People listen to me expectantly, waiting in silence for my counsel. After I had spoken, they spoke no more. My words fell gently on their ears. They waited for me as for showers and drank in my words as the spring rain. When I smiled at them, they scarcely believed it. You know, this is Job being <laughs> humorous. He was such a serious person, such a, a person who, who was, seemed to be above everybody. And this is the, 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 the loving side of his character, a smile. They didn't expect him to smile. But when he smiled at them, they must have been delighted. When I smiled at them, they scarcely believed it. The light of my face was precious to them. I chose the way for them and sat as the chief. I dwelt as a king among his troops. I was like one who comforts mourners. Notice those words. I was like one who comforts mourners. Here we have a, an honest man. An honest man who has cared for the, the poor. <laughs> he has cared for and comforted others and... He's now being scorned by his friends. Job, a man looking for God's light and countenance. That verse there, when his lamp shone on my head and his light, and by his light I walked through darkness. You know, this is another reminder of the one who is the light of the world. And we read in John 1, verse 9 through to 12. The true light that gives light to everyone who is coming into the world, he was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the light that he gave the right to become children of God. You know, just before we finish, we're not quite finished yet with this chapter, but, you know, it'd be really good to maybe sit down and read through the chapter again. And as you read it, see the, the parallels and the similarities here that are pointing to Jesus. But for Job, in this chapter 29... It's back to the dunghill. And his following words will be in contrast to what he has said in, in chapter 29, to what he will say in chapter 31, as he tells us how people are speaking to him now. Him, Job. Job, a man who is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, a man who is still the greatest man among all the peoples of the East. Let's just have a few words from the New Testament as we close this evening to consider, as we consider the life of Jesus. There is no one on earth like him, but he suffered. John 7, 45-46. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? 
No one ever spoke in the way this man does, the guards replied. You see, Jesus, this man, was sinless. We come to Matthew 27, verse 29. They, twist, they, they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. They knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. This is the sinless man who suffered. And a final verse from Matthew 27, verse 37. Above his head they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Jesus, King of the Jews. This is his sovereignty. A sinless one who suffered, who was sovereign. This is Jesus. Shall we pray? Well, Father, we thank you that as we've looked at this passage of Job, yes, we've seen the suffering of Job, we've seen the condition he's in, we've seen how he was treated originally and then how he was eventually treated by those same people. And we see the big difference. And our Father, we do see a, a man who was, yes, he wasn't completely sinless, but he was a forgiven sinner, but he suffered. Now, Father, we... Thank you for the reminders that you give us of the one who was completely sinless and the one who suffered far more than any other could suffer, did suffer or would ever suffer. And the one who is sovereign, King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's in his name that we gather this evening as we have gathered round your word. And we ask these things in his precious name. Amen. <laughs>